Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 293. Today is July 31st, 2019. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, a great deal has been happening in the markets over the past month. We've seen the S&P 500 not only break out and hold above 3,000, but also going on to set some pretty impressive new record highs. And yet today, when the Federal Reserve cut interest rates, the markets dropped more than 1%, and we saw the S&P 500 break and close down below 3,000. Well, hey, what do I think all that means for the markets? Well, I'll be talking about that and more in this episode. Before I do, two quick announcements. The first announcement I have is more of a favor that I'd like to ask from you. Earlier this year, I was in Europe. I spoke at an industrial conference and I was interviewed by a paper industry association. The topic of my presentation was about how automation and robotics would have on old, stodgy, established industries like paper and material companies. Well, I just found out that a clip from that interview was posted to YouTube, and I'd like to drive some traffic to that site because it's relatively obscure and really no one's seen it. So I'll put a link in today's show notes And I'd appreciate it if you'd click and watch that video. It's less than five minutes and you'll get a good overview of some of the thoughts that I spelled out in my book, The Robots Are Coming, and how that can affect the overall economy and specifically old legacy Rust Belt type industries. And I also give an example there where I talk about how automation and robotics and technology have impacted one of the most established industrial sectors of all, which is the oil industry. And what a major impact that has not only had on the petroleum industry, but also how it's affected the whole economy. So please check that out. And as an added bonus, you'll get to see me wearing a suit and tie, which is something you don't see very often. The other thing that I wanted to mention was that I wanted to thank everyone that took the time to congratulate me on the fifth anniversary of the Wellsteading podcast. I know a lot of you guys have been with us from the very beginning, and I really appreciate you being in the audience. I also apologize for not doing an anniversary show. I think this is the first time in five years that I didn't record an Independence Day, July 4th episode of the Wellsteading Podcast. I had great intentions to do it. I was celebrating my independence alongside the Snake River in a remote area of Idaho. And in fact, the area was a little bit too remote and I had no internet connectivity. So I missed a chance to record a birthday episode but I'll do my best to make that up to you as we head into this six year of podcasting. And hey, that takes me to today's topic of what's going on with the S&P 500. We've seen it recover over these past 60 days. It set multiple record closing highs above 3000 and then it hovered around that level for the past couple weeks. But today we saw it drop pretty hard and that's because the Federal Reserve announced today that they'd not only be cutting interest rates, but they'd also be postponing their quantitative tightening program. So what gives with that? Why did the market come down instead of go up if money is going to be more free, more available, and at a lower cost? Well, listen, this is a classic example of the old Wall Street adage, buy the rumor, sell the news. What happened today was no secret. It's been telegraphed and talked about for months infinitum, All of Wall Street was expecting it. In fact, there was a pretty large contingency that was not only expecting the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates a quarter basis point, but a number of people felt that the Fed should cut rates by at least half a percent. 
And so when you have all that pent up anticipation, we generally do see a buy the rumor, sell the news event, where when the actual anticipated event occurs, the market actually sells off rather than goes up. And so should you worry about all this? Well, listen, none of it worries me. Let me tell you why. Oh, and before I even tell you why, let me mention this. Do you notice that all the experts that are now claiming that an interest rate cut is going to crash the stock market, those are the same people that for, I don't know, probably a year now, or maybe longer, have been forecasting that the stock market was going to crash because the Federal Reserve was raising rates too high and that resulted in an inverted yield curve. Well, these talking head pundits were wrong about the inverted yield curve, and I believe they're wrong about lower rates crashing the economy. So here it is. I'm going to go through some things. I'm going to talk off the top of my head, so these aren't in any specific order, but here you go. The first reason that comes to mind is that this interest rate cut is very peculiar and unlike most of the interest rate cuts that we've seen in previous history. Normally what happens is that as the economy heats up, we get to a point where prices and the asset values get too overinflated, and in particular, the last thing, the, the last part of that cycle that really takes off is that labor costs rise. In effect, what it is is it's a decrease in productivity. Since labor costs go up, the labor cost per unit output goes down, and so productivity is going down because jobs are scarce, the economy is good, and employees are demanding higher wages. And because we're already at the top of the cycle, and because material costs and real estate and, and the price of everything else has gone up because the economy's in an upswing and there's a great deal of demand that's creating all this inflation, well now added to all those inflationary pressures is the need to pay workers more money. And then that just infiltrates the whole system and causes the input costs of everything, all products and all services to go up. And so the telltale sign that the economy has gotten too hot and that we're headed for a market top is that unemployment is very low and employee compensation is very high. Well, people have been concerned about that for the last couple years as we've been in this recovery trajectory. And surely we have seen unemployment rates get down to the lowest of historic levels. Now, I would argue that the unemployment rate is not as low as it would appear because the numbers have been jury-mandered and rigged and manipulated so much over the last, I don't know, 20 or more years that they're not really reliable numbers. So is the unemployment rate at, you know, 3.5%, 3.8%? Well, that's the recorded rate, but I suspect it's actually a lot higher than that. So that's part of the equation, but the other side of it is... And again, this is sort of how you know that the unemployment rate is really not as low as they say it is. It's the fact that wages have gone up, but they haven't risen significantly. That points to the fact that the market has not yet peaked, that the economy has not overheated. And so consequently, the Federal Reserve won't be raising interest rates to high levels like they normally do. This cycle cut is different than past ones because they're not doing it to squelch the economy. They're cutting interest rates because they artificially raised them too high last year. And today when the Federal Reserve adjusted their rates down to about, uh, the target is like two to two and a quarter percent. That's the Fed funds rate. Now, could it go lower? There's about probably 80% of Wall Street that thinks that we're going to get at least one more cut before the end of the year. 
maybe two. Do we need that? I don't know if we need to go much lower than 2%, but in my opinion, I think 2% is a pretty good rate. I think the Federal Reserve should have never been raising interest rates as much as they have over the last three and a half years. We're in a totally different interest rate paradigm than we've been in for any of our lifetimes. If you're my age or older, then you can remember back to the 1970s and 80s when interest rates went sky high. I think the Fed funds rate in the beginning of 1980 was something like 20%. And then even over these last nearly 40 years as they've come down, we have a set mentality in our minds that a normal interest rate should be somewhere around 6%. I'm talking about like on a 30-year mortgage or a 10-year treasury. In fact, if you look at probably about the last 100 years, the long-term 10-year treasury average yield is about 6.25%, six and a quarter percent. You've heard me talk about that a lot when I talk about stock valuations. And I say, if you take the inverse of the 10-year treasury, that tells you the price per earnings ratio for a benchmark bond investment. And the inverse of 6.25% is 16, 16 times earnings. Non-coincidentally, over that same, you know, long 60, 100-year period in the S&P 500, the long-term valuation price per earning ratio of the S&P 500 was 16 times. They correlate. It's natural that the long-term valuations between income-producing bonds and the S&P 500 should be somewhat not only related and correlated, but also close to each other. That's what you have in a normal, healthy economy. And because that relationship has held up for so long, that's the paradigm that everybody on Wall Street and all the economists and all the academics and even the man on the street, they come to think that we should be at about a 6% 10-year treasury yield. And if you look at a chart, it makes sense. Hey, we should be regressing to the long-term mean. That's generally what happens in markets. But we're far off from that long-term mean, and I don't think we're regressing back to it anytime soon. And this is not a new thought process on my end. I've been thinking this way for a long time, and even when I wrote my book, The Robots Are Coming, that was published in 2017, but I wrote it in 2016, I mentioned in there that I think that because of deflationary pressures, things that are occurring because of automation and robotics, and also the fact that we have an aging population, and also a stabilization, and long-term, we're going to be having a decline in the global birth rate. Well, technology and demographics are all favoring deflation, not inflation. I mentioned in there specifically about interest rates that I think that we're going to be hard-pressed to see long-term interest rates get up above 4%. If you go back and you look at a chart of long-term 10-year interest rates, going back before this you know, previous long generational cycle that we're having now. But if you go back and you look at interest rates from about the post-Civil War era up until about 1965, so about that 100-year period, you'll see that interest rates generally fluctuated in that 1% or 2%, you know, sometimes getting up to 3%. I think uh, during World War I, they actually got as high as maybe 5 or 6%. But in general, over that 100-year period, between the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement, you had interest rates pretty stable and you know somewhere fluctuating between, say, 1% and 3%. And so I would argue that we may be seeing a regression to not the long-term interest rate mean, 
but the long, long-term interest rate mean, not just going back over the last 50 or 60 years, but going back 150 years. Today, I put up a post over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com. I put up a chart showing 10-year U.S. government treasury interest rates going back to 2005 and transposing that with the S&P 500. And I made a couple points on that. One kind of gets back to where I'm thinking as far as the stock market's going. You know, I don't think that we're necessarily going to see a big pullback in the stock market just because rates are going lower. If you look at that chart, you can see that whenever rates do go low and bottom out, the S&P 500 always goes up. It doesn't go down. And what's even more important than that is I point out in that chart and looking at a 15-year average of the 10-year Treasury, well, it's nowhere near the long historical 6%. It's only at 3%. And in fact, if you get more granular and you look at just what interest rates and the economy have done since 2009, so basically post-Great Recession into the recovery that we've been having for the last decade, if you look at interest rates over that period of time, every time rates have gotten up either at or near or slightly above 3%, the economy starts to falter and the S&P 500 comes down. And that's because the average 10-year Treasury yield over this last decade is only 2.5%. We're not at the 6% yield anymore. We're not even at the 3% average yield. For a decade now, we're barely averaging 2.5%. And so right now, when we see the Federal Reserve cutting their rates and moving their target down to about 2 percent well, that makes sense. Now, having said that, I would actually like to see rates above 3%. I think 4% interest rates in the 10-year Treasury is really where we need to be in this economy to provide a market-based incentive for people that save their money. I think the cost of capital should be around 4%. But you know what? That's not where we are. That's not where the paradigm is right now. A lot of that has to do with the fact, that, as I mentioned, we're in this deflationary pressures where technology and automation and robotics and demographics producing forces that are converging into bringing the cost of money down and not in creating demand that makes it go up, that's part of the equation. But the other side of it is the distortion of the price discovery mechanism that the Federal Reserve and all the global banks have done over the last more than a decade of destroying market-based interest rates. I'm not happy about that. I don't like that. I think if the market was actually setting its own rates and they weren't distorted by the interaction of all these global central banks, all the money printing, all the quantitative easing, if that weren't occurring, I think we would probably be at around a 4% 10-year Treasury yield. But we're not. That distortion didn't happen overnight and it's not going to self-correct overnight. Now again, I'm not happy about that and I think Long term, there's a very high likelihood that we're going to have an unhappy ending. That all this debt and all the money printing and all the malinvestment and all the zombie companies, well, sooner or later, the chickens are going to come home to roost and there's going to be a major global recession. I think that's very likely in the future. But I don't think that's happening tomorrow. I don't think it's happening anytime soon. Not based on the numbers that I see. There's a lot of people that are really bearish. They keep thinking the market's going to go down, and all the while it keeps going up. And if you look at valuations, 
Don't even bother looking at trailing valuations. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what companies earned a year ago. The market's driven by anticipation of future earnings. And right now, we're already halfway through 2019. So you can totally discount this year altogether. S&P 500 at the end of this year should come in somewhere around 167, 168, maybe 170. But no matter how you do that math, at 3,000 in the S&P 500, you come up with somewhere around an 18 times valuation, you know, a price per earnings ratio of 18 times. But again, on a comparative basis, when you take the inverse of the 10-year treasury, which is at 2%, the inverse of 2% is a 50 times earnings. So where are you gonna put your money? You're gonna put it in a 10-year government bond, which is only paying you 2%, which is at a 50 time premium, and in terms of inflation adjustment, it's really a negative yield. Are you gonna do that? Or worse yet, worse yet, if you're in Japan or Germany and your government bonds are paying negative 17 basis points, are you gonna put your money in that? No, you're gonna put it in equities. You're going to put it in the stock market. You're going to put it in real estate. And in the S&P 500, sure, you're going to pay elevated levels. You're going to pay 18 times earnings, but you're going to get nearly a 2% dividend and you're going to get future growth of probably four, five, six, maybe 8%. That's a far better cry than paying 50 times earnings or less to own a government treasury. So no, valuations are not too high. And with the Federal Reserve cutting the Fed funds rate today, I think that's actually put a bottom below the market. You know, six months ago, we saw the S&P 500 drop 20%, went down to, I don't know, I think close to 2,500. Well, remember, the reason that happened was because people were petrified that the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates. Now we know they're not raising rates. They're actually cutting rates. They've suspended or postponed the quantitative tightening. They're keeping their balance sheet with $3.5 trillion on it. They're going to keep rates low. And as we look at earnings going into 2020, which is what we want to look at, we really don't care what the market's done in 2018 or 2019. We want to know what corporations are going to be earning in 2020. And right now it looks like we're going to see probably 5-6% growth in earnings that puts the corporate earnings for S&P 500 somewhere around 177. And if you do the math on that, that gives you a forward price per earnings ratio of 17 times. Given the current low interest rate environment we're in and the fact that I don't see a recession on the horizon, not yet, well, I think that that 17 times valuation is fair. And since the Federal Reserve is not raising rates, they're gonna be cutting rates, rather than seeing a pullback in the market where it goes down to 25 or 2,600 in the S&P 500, I think the new level, I think the floor, the new Federal Reserve put, if you will, I think that level was probably at about 2,700 in the S&P 500. So could we get a pullback? Absolutely. We could see the market drop 10% down to around 2,700. And if that happens, I won't be panicking. I'll be buying. Well, am I right or wrong? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. We're all going to just have to come back and listen to future episodes of the Wealth Setting Podcast to find out. Well, as always, thanks for listening. Till the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.